It is difficult to look at the upcoming holidays in light of the recent horrors, Paris, Beirut, elsewhere. Our daily concerns shrivel in the face of cruelty and carnage. How can we talk about Thanksgiving and beyond when unexpected and brutal wars against the innocent are being waged? From another perspective, our job as a religious people is to simultaneously hold the terrors of the world in our hearts while noticing and celebrating the love and hope where we still surely see it keeping our equanimity and not allowing bullies who bomb and behead to co-opt our clarity is our work. We are not a spiritual tradition who wields fear and terror. Those are not our theological tools. Instead, with both compassion and reason, we take steps forward to interrupt hateful ideologies everywhere we find them including within ourselves and our communities. I propose we stay on schedule. We're not turning away from world affairs when we examine ourselves to sharpen our perspectives and actions. I planned to talk about the upcoming Thanksgiving, Hanukkah, Christmas, Chalika, Kwanzaa, in search of greater balance and integrity, traits we can use facing all of life. The news and these holidays can be like uh, a roller coaster ride, an emotional track with stomach dropping plummets and unforeseen loop de loops and jarring tight turns. For some, these months with waning light and extra pressures can trigger depression and anxiety. And the news from France and Lebanon don't help. So these times call for us to be particularly gentle with ourselves. Yes, in the season of giving to others, feeding others, helping others, it all begins with boundaries and compassion for one's self. It may sound selfish, but first carefully tending to our humanity, our soul, only then can we move outward, able to support family, then friends, then neighbors, and ultimately strangers, even ones an ocean away. One story from the Bible reminds me of the trickiness of human relations, and of the season. There is a brief tale in the Greek Testament, and it only shows up in the Gospel of Luke. It's a teaching story placed in a line of teaching stories, and it comes right after the story of the Good Samaritan. And this brief five-verse scenario that follows is rare because it actually names the two women involved, Martha and Mary. More often than not, women are nameless in the Bible. We can count on hands the female names we know. And this story is universal. 
but important in that it maintains this specificity too. Jesus visits Martha and Mary from Luke 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. Get the situation? A famous guest, Jesus, the renowned teacher, arrives and is offered hospitality. One sister, Martha, is busy preparing for the guest, maybe preparing refreshments or the meal. We're left to imagine what her many tasks might be. She could be assisting the household children or finishing chores that can't wait. The sister Mary, instead of helping Martha, sits down to be present to the guest. Does this conjure up familiar situations for you? Is this what it can be like at your house preparing for Thanksgiving or hosting a party? How about just getting a daily meal on the dinner table? Your list of things to do is a mile long. Or you're too tired to help out and just want to sit a minute. Or you've been the guest coming into a house filled with activity. I'm going to read the passage again. This time I want you to pick one person to be in the story. You can set aside gender for the time being. A revered woman could be coming to the house of two men. You might be the one seated or the one rushing around or the guest. So choose whether you'll be Mary, Martha, or Jesus. And as I read it again, imagine sights, sounds, and feelings. You can envision it in the first century common era or pull it into the present day, 2015. This method of reading and visualizing a sacred text is called Lectio Divina, Latin for divine reading. And it's a Benedictine discipline for the study to help enter the words of the scene. With time and space between the two readings, our attention and imaginations have time to flourish, and we can bring our whole self to the story. And the method also emphasizes our empathy muscles. And I'll read a different translation this time, a more contemporary one. It might spark a new understanding. So you're either Martha, Mary, or Jesus. Jesus continued from there toward Jerusalem and came to another village, Martha, a resident of that village, welcomed Jesus into her home. 
her sister Mary went and sat at Jesus' feet, listening to him teach. Meanwhile, Martha was anxious about all the hospitality arrangements. Martha, interrupting Jesus, Lord, why don't you care that my sister is leaving me to do all the work by myself? Tell her to get over here and help me. Jesus, oh, Martha, Martha, you are so anxious and concerned about a million details, but really, only one thing matters. Mary has chosen that one thing, and I won't take it away from her. So who did you imagine yourself to be? How did events unfold? Any new insights? Without revealing anything too personal, I ask you to turn to a neighbor or find a small group of three or four, make sure no one's left out, and tell each other what being inside the story brought to mind for you. There's no right or wrong answer. You don't have to expose anything uncomfortably personal. (laughs) I'll give you a minute or two. Begin to wrap it up. It was fun to watch you all. (laughs) I'm often Martha in this scenario. For most parties, I've planned too much. Joe's not here, so I can name him. He calls it mission creep. (laughs) I want to impress my guests, although I tell myself what I really want is for them to feel truly welcome, special, experience something out of the ordinary. 
I like adventure and want to offer that sensation translated into hospitality. Yet, I'm too busy refilling glasses, making sure food is out, that rather than fully focusing on my guests, I miss the party. And then underneath that, looking further, really is a, an unease with social situations. And yes, the minister is an introvert. You know, it's much easier not to have to talk. And to... Another way to explore this story is to take two steps back to view the scene not as three individuals, but as a family system. Family systems theory is a contemporary means for understanding whole families and whole institutions. And it claims individuals cannot be understood in isolation, but rather as part of a bigger whole. It takes into account that we are all interconnected. Institutions families can get stuck in ruts and exhibit anxiety from the complex interplay of roles. So I notice Martha does something family systems theory calls a real problem. Martha triangulates. Rather than directly asking her sister for help, Martha ropes in a third person, just happens to be Jesus. And he's part of the system and falls for it. Oh, yeah, I'm the leader. I better take care of it. She asks him to tell Mary what she wants. Instead of going to the source causing her anxiety, her sister who's not helping out, Martha asks Jesus to intervene. And he is no help. (laughs) Which is exactly what triangles do. Initially, you may feel better telling someone else But the original issue hasn't been dealt with, and it hasn't gone away. And it may get worse. Just as Jesus chides Martha for not choosing the better part, the one thing that really matters, the lesson in this story for the devout reader is to choose the teachings of Jesus over everything else. Even if you don't identify as Christian or a follower of Jesus, the message to attend to people over activity is invaluable. And for us, teasing out the mechanics of healthy relationships and being in community, the message for us is to keep boundaries and communications clear and clean. For example, gossip is a form of triangulating, talking about someone while not going to the other person directly. And we work hard to avoid triangulating here at church. The instructions are built into our right relations policies and implied in our covenant. In a church or work setting, triangulating looks like one person discussing with another a problem that rightly should be brought up to someone else, to the staff, or a boss, or a co-worker, committee chair, the board. 
And now we have great new ways to triangulate electronically without thinking. That small cap CC on emails, old-fashioned carbon copy term. It's an option on emails. It's an easy way to triangulate instantly. I'll just CC X in my email to Y. And triangulating happens in families all the time. One family member doesn't communicate directly with another, but will talk with a third family member. So unnecessary stress in our holidays can be pinpointed to this kind of behavior. Rather than telling your mother you don't want to come over so early, you complain to your brother. Nothing changes. Alliances get fortified or broken. So if we wanted to coach Jesus to to abide by Hope's healthy relations covenant, (laughs) he's a good teacher, he can learn too. We might tell him, next time Martha asks you to be a conduit between the two sisters, just tell her to speak to Mary herself. If we want to coach ourselves, we can ask, am I just venting or do I need to go directly to Cousin Daryl? And digging deeper into your own behavior, loss and change may be what is ultimately the source of your discomfort. It may not be Cousin Darren at all. And on the global scale, I can't help but think ISIS is wielding power by grotesque triangulating, killing the innocent, is bringing third parties into their warped, oppressive system. M. Scott Peck once said, families, churches, businesses, and government become sick, refusing to face painful realities. Dealing with each other is the healthiest way of facing our own immediate reality. It acknowledges each other's validity and humanity. Getting too busy is one way to avoid each other. Complaining and confiding to the wrong person is another. Both responses dehumanize. So may we lessen the bumps and curves of this holiday roller coaster and all of life with direct respect and love for each other. May it be so.